The NFC North is in a strange moment where in a couple of years, all four teams could have different quarterbacks. So what do all these guys need to do to change that tide? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like that? Three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun. Let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether that is a normal audio podcast listening platform or even YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku if you just download the Minnesota Sports app and a Big special shout out to those of you who do listen to this show every single day. My hashtag every day is love you guys so much. Today is Twitter Tuesday. That means I'm answering your questions as submitted to me mostly on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL or at Locked On Vikings. Although you can also send me questions via email at Locked On Vikings Podcast at gmail.com anytime in the week. Or if you've got something longer, the, the Google form in the show notes will work as well. Or you can leave a YouTube comment too. Which is actually exactly what the first guy did, uh, Robert Buck, who asked, how would each of the four starting quarterbacks in the NFC North have to play in the next seasons for each of the following two realities to occur? Either they play their last season on the team and then they are dropped or used as a bridge QB, or they receive a significant extension at the end of their current contract. This is interesting because... And and because it's a, it's a lighter mailbag, it's June, right? So I've got some time to go into this one. I, usually I wouldn't like do something this comprehensive on Twitter Tuesday, but hey, whatever, right? Um... Because truly, if you think about all four teams in the NFC North, you can see both of those scenarios being like not that far-fetched, right? With the Vikings, I mean, Kirk Cousins, we, there was even rumors that there were extension talks, but now we kind of know that there aren't. Um, with But there like still could be later with Jordan Love, who knows what's going to happen there. Justin Fields, who knows what's going to happen there. Jared Goff, who knows what's going to happen there, right? Like all of those situ- all of those quarterbacks, all four quarterbacks, you could argue are in prove-it years right now. Um, so what, how do they prove it? Right. The Vikings need to make a deep playoff run for Kirk Cousins to get a long extension. Otherwise it's time for the future. And even if they make a long playoff run, it still might be time for the, he's just, he's 35, right? It's time to start in two years. Like how, how are you going to extend Kirk Cousins into his age 37, 38, 39 season? Like, how are you going to, f- uh, foster that in the way that Kirk Cousins is going to want it? Just doesn't feel like it's going to happen even in a good result, which might not be fair to Kirk Cousins and, Honestly, it rarely is going to be fair. That's kind of the the nature of the NFL. Um, and if this is Kirk's last season on the team, it kind of feels like all other outcomes are that, right? Or maybe if if the one year extension and then he's used as a bridge to a rookie kind of deal is also part of that first scenario, then I guess so. Like all other outcomes are that. But I, if the Vikings look, if the Vikings make it to the NFC Championship, make it to Super Bowl, make a really deep run, something crazy, yeah, then you could see. All right, Kirk, you know, you just took the Vikings further than they've been. You know, if the if the Vikings make it to the Super Bowl, not even win, but to the Super Bowl, it's like okay, you you just took the Vikings further than they've been since 1976. Yeah, you get to retire a Viking, right? Like you could see that being the case. Um, with Jordan Love. He just needs to prove that he's a starter, right? Like he he needs to prove that he's he's the future of the franchise. And and I'm going to leave that intentionally vague because that can mean different things and it's you know, you, like I'm not going to put yardage thresholds on any of this cuz you can get 4000 yards but they can be fraudulent. You can have a 3000 yard season and they can still be really good, right? 
Um, so, so the statistical threshold thing isn't even with better statistics, it's still like not going to be like illustrative in the way that I want it to be. But with Jordan love, you need to operate a full offense and have that offense be explosive. However you want to measure explosiveness, it needs to be inarguably explosive. It can't be a Mickey mouse offense of, of check downs and, you know, just like some slant flat, maybe a couple rollout plays. Like it's gotta be a real offense. I you're in year four in the league. Now you need to be operating complex things. Um, last year when Jordan love went in, they op- did not operate a complex offense. It was simplified. It was, and that's not uncommon for a backup. Um, you know, when you're going in in the middle of the game, you know, the backup might not have the same concepts prepared as the starter did. And, and you might have a different package for that backup and that's fine. But in year four, you're now the starter. We need to see that get fancy. I want to see him do the fancy stuff, get through the progressions, all that uh, in a way that he wasn't really challenged to do so far. I think if he can do that, he gets the contract. But if, I mean, if this is a, wow, he didn't, he misread everything. He couldn't set protections. All these problems happened. You know, the Packers win five games. I can't really see the Packers sitting down and going, all right, let's buy into this <laughs> for five years. I can see them looking elsewhere. And I think the answer is similar for Justin Fields. Um, again, it's, you know, there have been excuses for Justin Fields, valid ones. The O-line not hasn't been good. The wide receivers haven't been good. They've gotten weird talent problems, but at the end of the day, there are still issues that are like central to Justin Fields. And one of the ones that really bugged him earlier in his career was setting protections. He's gotten a little better at it, but there are still issues with the protections not being set properly, that the quarterback has his hand in that or not understanding the protections and understanding where his um, you know, escape valves are going to be. And so he takes a lot more hits than he should. Justin Fields gets hit in the pocket a lot. And so there's also going to be the health thing. But for me, it's again, it's like I, I I need to see that Bears offense. OK, you got DJ Moore. You spent a bunch on that offensive line, a bunch of resources on that old line, including your first round pick, which was one overall to begin with. Um, I need to see that Bears offense turn into something scary. And it, that's going to be what the Bears need to s- succeed at all, because that defense is still in the pits that like. The, the answer for the Packers and the Bears is really simple. That offense needs to threaten. It needs to be something that you go into the week going, whew, that offense, we really got our work cut out for us, rather than, yeah, you know, they do what they do. It can't be a middle. It's got to be top 10. It's got to be elite. Uh, and and without that result for those two guys, it's like, how long does the leash get? You know, you're in year three, year four. How much longer do we wait? And then with Jared Goff, <sighs> it's so much harder with Jared Goff because if I'm predicting the lions are higher on Jared Goff than you, like that's just, they're higher on him, on him than I am. And they're higher on him than you are. That's just like the reality of the situation. Um, but I think it's also, you know, Hendon hooker needs to not develop into something exciting, right? You need to see him in camp and go, all right, well, this is, uh, you know, this guy's not a starter, which Dan Campbell has already said, like Hendon Hooker, we'll see if he can win the number two job. Like that's good. That's where he's at right now. So you need that. You you need it to not be like a Carson Wentz thing where you, you're at the end of camp and you're going, hmm, this guy's actually kind of hot. Let's see if we can do something with this. So you need that not to happen. If you know my draft takes, you know that I'm not exactly as worried about that. Uh, but with, with Jared Goff, I, I think it's similar to the Vikings answer was like they need to get into the playoffs. They need to make some noise. It's time. The Lions have been in rebuilding for 20 years. It's time for them to really make some noise 
Don't be a six seed that gets bounced effortlessly by two scores in the first round. Um, you know, go win the division like your favorite to and make something of the season. Go make a run. And then I think you you stick with the Jared Goff thing. Otherwise, I think the Lions should be looking at it. I think they should have looked at a more serious quarterback at number seven. Uh, but I guess, I don't know, their options were Hendon Hooker and Will Levis, and they got one of them. So what do I know? Um, I, I think that's how those guys get extensions. And then kind of in all other scenarios, they just play out their deal. And then the next guy comes in, and you bridge it. You try to transition smoothly. Uh, which is, I think, the mistake the Bears made with Fields that put them in that position is that they didn't have a very... They had, like, Andy Dalton. It wasn't a very, like, serious bridge. And you need a bridge that can be, like, serious, that that will not... It won't be week nine, and you're going, my God, can we put this rookie in yet because Andy Dalton's stinking up the joint. Um, that's, I think, a lesson to be learned from the Bears if, if Justin Fields doesn't pan out. Look, I know I spent the entire... I've got a lot more questions, and I know I spent the entire first part on one of them, but it was an interesting enough one, and we don't really talk a lot about like other NFC North teams or the state of the North or anything like that on this show. It's a good thing to get into in the summer. Um, but I will get to as many of the other questions as I can. Before I do so, however, let me... Uh, break down America's number one sports book. That is FanDuel. And it is a great time to get involved with FanDuel because if you sign up right now at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you put down your bet and uh, you whiff on it. If you bet on a baseball game or it could even be, um, you can even gramble on uh, NBA futures or NHL futures if you're a total degen or if you want to get really hyped on, hey, Vikings 8.5 wins over or under, right? Do you think they'll have a winning season or a losing season? You can gramble on that as well. And if you put down that first bet and you've claimed it at fanduel.com slash locked on and you whiff, you get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. $1,000 back in bonus bets if you whiff. So that first bet, you can absolutely get something risky. And hey, if you whiff, uh, no big deal because you went to fanduel.com slash locked on, claimed that no sweat first bet. Fanduel. Make every moment more. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. And thank you so much for those of you who do listen to this show every single day. If you want something a little bit uh, nittier and grittier, go to patreon.com slash LukeBrownNFL. Go watch my video on Vidarian Low. It is free for everybody to watch. But as for this show, let's continue on with Twitter Tuesday. Next one comes from Pseudonamed, who asks, who is the highest impact defensive player on the roster right now? Um... Probably I, Harrison Smith comes to mind as long as you're not too worried about him being old. But I, I think a lot of people got accused of being like old and slow last year. And I think it was that they were thinking too much. But once they actually broke on things, the speed seemed fine. So if you're not worried about that with Harrison Smith, it'd be Harrison Smith. I mean, he's always going to be the guy that's the the chess piece moving all around, kind of uh, being able to solve a myriad of problems. Whatever your per, your other 10 guys can't do, he can. Uh, but for me, I think right now it's probably Daniel Hunter because if you do lose Harrison Smith, you have so much depth at safety. Uh, so if we're talking about impact in that way, it's it, I mean, Lewis Seen and Cam Bynum are not going to replace Harrison Smith, but you at least have a serious group. And if you lose Daniel Hunter, that's an unserious room uh, entirely. Marcus Davenport and guys, it's not a serious room. That is not what a team peddling a championship standard, which is the phrase you'll hear 10 times a day out of Quasi. Um if they're telling you championship standard and they roll out Marcus Davenport and guys, they're lying to you. So I'm going to go with Daniel Hunter there. Uh, 1991 Ford Tempo Enthusiast says, judging by his play last year and his apparent spot on the depth chart this summer, would should we be concerned about Andrew Booth 
at all. Uh, Concern is always a weird word because it implies a level of uncertainty that I don't think we have to settle for. Uh, But I I hear what you're saying. I'm just being pedantic. Um, I don't like what Andrew Booth did last year at all uh, when he came in in relief. Now, for a lot of that is is informed by a Cowboys game, and I didn't know how how hurt he was playing there. So maybe I can be a little more forgiving of that. Um, The answer to Andrew Booth is I want to see what he's doing now. How has he improved? Has he at all? And whether or not he has usurped a Caleb Evans on the on the depth chart is not satisfactory. I can't just say, well, he's either better than Evans and therefore uh, or, or, you know, the team has put him up with the ones and therefore he's good. And if they haven't, therefore he's bad. Um, I don't want to put that much faith in a decision that a I mean, the Vikings can and have before just been wrong about. But also, what if a Caleb Evans is balling? And, you know, then that doesn't really tell you a lot about Andrew Booth. Um, and a Caleb Evans has been playing with the ones consistently. So uh, rather than trying to sort of surmise and deduce a, a take on his progress based on depth chart news, um, I think what I'm going to do is go to camp, watch Andrew Booth, see how he plays, if he's being a little tighter, if he's breaking on things a little bit less uh, aggressively and uncontrolled. If his, if his, um, I don't know. I, I, I almost kind of want to go pull all those reps back up and see what I can see f- from them as well. Maybe I'll do that on, for a Patreon video soon, but yeah, I, I don't like what he did so far. I need to see it improve, uh, in ways I think I've described in the past and definitely will in the future. I can't tell you if he has done that just by looking at the depth chart. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Uh, Shadow Flame asks, of these three players, Hawk, Hunter, and JJ, who do you think is going to get their new contract resolved first, second, and third? Um, so it sounds like, and, and Shadow Flame mentioned this too in a, in a side, it sounds like Justin Jefferson's the one they're working the furthest toward. Uh, it sounds like that's the one they're working hardest on. And that makes sense, um, obviously, because there's a little bit of a time limit to that. Because if you get JJ done before uh, other guys that are up for extensions from that 2020 class, like uh, C.D. Lamb, for example, or T. Higgins, um, the the market's going to shift when each guy signs his deal. Justin Jefferson's is going to be the biggest, so there is definitely a reason to be in a bit of a hurry there. Not so much of a hurry that, you know, you, you ruin the deal or anything like that, and it's okay if other guys do get signed first, but there is some some meat on the bone. So I think that's the one they do first. And then also, you know, what happens with Daniel Hunter, what happens with TJ Hawkinson is going to be informed by that JJ contract, because once that's signed and inked and you know exactly what it is, then you know what you're working with, especially in 24 and 25. But once you're down to those two guys, I'll probably say TJ Hawkinson just because I just I don't know what happens with this Daniel Hunter thing. Um if they can get a contract done or not, it just kind of depends on the willingness of parties to capitulate. And I just don't know that. Right. But there is absolutely no distance between the parties. Will someone cave is a question we just kind of can't answer. So I don't know what happens with Hunter. I guess I'll put him third then. I would guess Jefferson Hawkinson Hunter. Hopefully, though, by, you know, August 20th, all of this is done and gone and behind us there's resolution one way or another we can just focus on okay here's our roster what's the season gonna look like um speaking of questions like that bradley nor asks with all the players we lost during this offseason how do you think our 2023 roster compares to last year's i mean worse (laughs) like 
definitely worse, right? Zadaria Smith to Marcus Davenport. I'm not, I'm calling that a downgrade. You know, Dalvin Cook to the same group of people minus Dalvin Cook. There's a downgrade. Adam Thielen to Jordan Addison could be an upgrade. Lots of outcomes where it's not an upgrade. You could put that in, you, you could say that that comes out in the wash, but I, I don't know. I mean, that feels like it's likely enough to be either way, but probably like 60, 40, likely to be a down. I mean, he's a rookie, right? Like who knows what we get from him his rookie year versus what we could have gotten from Thielen. Um, I mean, defensively, you know, you've lost Kendricks. The cornerback room has, I'm not going to say it got better. It's a different group of guys. Uh, but all of those guys that lost their job to Duke Shelley, you now have that room minus Duke Shelley and Patrick Peterson to Byron Murphy. I think you'd have to put on a, some purple goggles to call that like a clear, definite upgrade. Patrick Peterson played well last year. Um, you know, no Dalvin Tomlinson and you replaced him with what, like Dean Lowry and Kyrie's Tonga. Like there's so many places where the Vikings got worse this offseason. I don't like this offseason. The Vikings got worse. I don't think they had to get worse as drastically as they did. Uh, but alas, right. And who knows? Maybe they'll win 12 games. Prove me wrong. I would love that. But yeah, they're worse, man. I don't know what to tell you. Skull Actuary says, do we actually need to read into Kenny taking first team reps after Madison? Um, kind of the same thing with Booth. It's like you can't look at that at a player and just kind of look at his spot on the depth chart and say, this is my take now, because I mean, there's like plenty of reasons for that. Right. But it's also just like watch the guy. Right. If you want to see if Kenny Wong is going to give you more at running back than he has his first two years, watch how quickly he is reading the gaps, like I explained on a, on a show beforehand. I don't care if he's doing it with the second teamers or the third teamers or whatever. This isn't a strength of competition point. Um, but he should be reading, you know, gap two, gap three by the time he gets the ball. And if he's not doing that still, then we still have the same problem. And if he is doing that, then, hey, look, hey, man, maybe this the game has slowed down for him and we can get excited. That's going to be what my take is founded on, not the depth chart stuff. But I will say I, I did find this. I, I was asking uh, Skull Actuary for a, for a source there. I did, fi- I did find the athletic article from uh, Alec Lewis. So we'll go with that. That's He said that uh, Kenny Wongwu has mixed in with the ones a little bit. Uh, alongside Alexander Madison, who's taking the lion's share of the one reps. And then Ty Chandler has also split some reps with the twos with Kenny Wongwu. So it's all over the place right now. That still feels like it is a very open competition. Um, but the reason I'm kind of breaking these guys down the way I am is because I want to give you something to look for other than what team guys are playing on uh, to help evaluate these guys when you see it in the preseason. And you can say, hey, I don't care if you're with the second team or third. If you're with the third team, but you're reading gaps fast, hey, we've got something here. Uh, and it might just be that Ty Chandler's also playing well, right? That like that could be the case. Or maybe they're both playing poorly, and that could be the case. And it doesn't necessarily mean something good for Chandler if he takes reps with the twos. But right now, they're going with tenure, basically. Uh, Wang Wu has been RB2 since the start of things. And he's been, he was RB2 last year as well. And Chandler's it's on Chandler to supersede him. And my prediction is that he'll be able to, but that's just a loose prediction. Um, let's, yeah, we could get to the rest of these. I think I don't think I have to go into turbo mode. We will be all right, but I will try to get to everybody's questions that asked one this week. So make sure you, uh, stick with it. Thank you so much for listening to this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Moving on, Andy Not Adam asked one that I got from like three or four different people in some uh, variation or other. He asked, what will and what should the Vikings do with their remaining cap space? So like I mentioned with the extension stuff, getting those extensions done will probably be the priority. And then once that's done, maybe you'll have some cap space left over and maybe you won't. Maybe they should use all that cap space on 
front-loading some of those deals, right? Like getting lots of money paid out to guys like Hawkinson and JJ and maybe even Hunter if that's what it takes to keep him uh, right away this year. And then you don't, you won't have crazy cap hits down the road that you'll have to start restructuring. It's kind of the opposite of the kick the can down the road thing. Maybe get ahead of your bills a little bit. I think that could be plenty wise, even if it means you don't get to participate in the, I don't know, the Frank Clarks of free agency, but it'd probably be somebody like that. Marcus Peters, if you want a cornerback, I, I wouldn't say no to that. Uh, I think Jadeveon Clowney's out there. That seems like an interesting enough idea. Like there's some random free agents and stuff that you could maybe think of. Those are the three names that are like big that come to mind, but I'm sure there's also other guys. Um, I could also see the Vikings adding a running back, maybe not a serious running back, like an RB6, uh, just because that room only has five player four players on it right now and that's a little bit uh a little bit thin for for doing drills in in camp proper so that could happen as well but that probably wouldn't have as big of an impact on cap space but maybe they could like trade if miami picks up dalvin cook and then suddenly they've got it maybe you're trading for raheem mostert or something like that uh fred monticello asks how do you measure the relative value of an injury prone superstar so if you want to do this like super quanti, which I think is the, uh, the the way that you're asking this, because ultimately this is a probabilistic thing. A, a regular player will say has a 90% chance of staying healthy. I don't know what the actual number is, but let's keep it simple. 90% chance of staying healthy. Everybody has a 10% chance of getting stepped on wrong and you know blowing their knee out, right? That's just part of the game. Uh, but the injury-prone player, let's say they have a 30% chance of getting hurt. It's a lot worse, right? So if I wanted to like think about it quantifiably, uh, take whatever you value that superstar player at, we'll use cap dollars just as a proxy, say that's a $20 million player and their backup is only a $5 million player and you have a 70% chance of him playing and a 30% chance of the backup playing. So whatever that difference is, 15 million, um, take 30% off of that 15 million, whatever that, uh, comes out to and that and that becomes your actual valuation that's the way that i would do it if i were trying to come up with like his market value or what i was going to offer a contract you know uh, and then maybe you take that other 30 percent and say hey this isn't you know uh games dressed for incentive like games played incentive or snap count incentives or something like that that's how you would do that for an injury prone superstar you take the value of you ask the question okay if this guy doesn't get injured what's he worth and then basically say what is the percentage that he gets hurt and you take that percentage of the big number that's the way that i like to think about it kind of back of napkin um but obviously you have a lot more tools than that when you're building a contract you can do incentives and um you can do non-guaranteed money roster bonuses outs and trade clauses and all kinds of stuff that uh can help you get out from under it if the guy just can't stay healthy and you're in a you're in a bad way um Audi Cole, preseason legend, says, based on the direction of the offensive scheme adjustments KOC has made in year one, what types of upgrades or additions to our personnel would be the key to becoming a truly elite offense? So this is a name of somebody that I I do not recognize. Uh, maybe just to change your display name and I'm missing you. But if you are new to this show, in fact, boy, do I have some some shows that answer it for you. If you go and, li and listen to the show that is uh, the how modern NFL run games work and then the new look run game for the Vikings, um you will get a very detailed answer to this. But basically, those the answer to that is probably Josh Oliver uh, and the the renewed commitment to Madison and CJ Ham kind of tells you what the Vikings are going to do. Uh, but having basically tight ends that can be pseudo fullback lead blockers 
uh, and pseudo fullback lead block blocker or, and true fullback lead blockers that can also play tight end is going to be a really important thing because it allows you to motion stuff around. Um, but basically that the major scheme thing that, that O'Connell is changing from year one to year two exists in the run game. I think the pass game is going to stay fairly similar, although because you're changing the run game, you're going to run different play play action concepts, which is a good thing, right? That'll mix up, um, you know, and keep, keep defenses from, keep yourself from getting too samey, but it's going to mostly be changes in the run game and the commitment to skill players that can block with the exception of Jordan Addison, uh, is, who's just, they just liked him that much in spite of that, um, is going to be the, the, the big thing. I know that's not like the sexy answer. You really want to hear, well, if they, you know, can go out and get this great wide receiver, they can trade for Garrett Wilson or something like crazy. Like, um, I, I, that's what people want to hear, but really the answer to this is extraordinarily unsexy. Um, Ryan asks, do you think that there is a realistic chance Dalvin Cook doesn't receive any offers he likes from other teams and just signs with the Vikings again? Uh, You know, going back to the last question, too, is like what type of upgrade would really take it to the next level? It would be a do-it-all running back that can, you know, catch passes out of the backfield, run routes, pass block, do all this stuff. You know, that could mean that like that could be satisfied by somebody we don't expect breaking out. Like what if D-Wayne McBride is the next coming? Happens with seven seventh round running backs all the time, right? So that could be the case. But really, I'm talking about, you know, the 49ers version of it. Like the way that Christian McCaffrey affected the 49ers offense, a really true bell cow do it all back would affect the Vikings offense. Is Dalvin Cook that guy? Probably a moot point by now uh, because I don't see him returning to the Vikings. But hey, Kirk Cousins has optimism. It's certainly not a zero percent. I wouldn't put zero on it. Um, but I I think that that ship has mostly sailed. I don't think he's going to get the market he thought he was getting. Uh, and maybe the Vikings can still say, Hey, whatever pay cut we offered you stays on the table. Let's hope things are still, you know, in, in good spirits. But I I think Dalvin cook is ready for the next chapter. Um, who knows? Who knows? I mean, Kirk cousins has gone up and said he's optimistic. So maybe that's that. Uh, Purdy Lives asks, how do you find sanity within the sea of rankings and tier lists we find ourselves swimming in during the offseason? So, look, there's a reason I say in the beginning of every show now, let's find some joy today. Because I think for sports, and especially when you root for a team that, that hasn't won a championship, you have to really ask yourself, what are you getting out of sports? And if you're just waiting to see which team wins, go boating, I mean, go fishing. Go do something with your lawn, spend time with your kids. Like you don't need to to read them. You do something else with your day. There's more to life than football. Um, But if you do find enough joy in football where you don't need to see a a football game to enjoy football today, um, there's, I mean, for me, it's the Everyman series. I get a lot of joy out of, out of doing that and and really getting to know these people on more, a human, more of a human level. Um, just learning, you know, lots of, if you just go to coachtube.com and if you've got 20 bucks to burn, find your favorite topic, buy a clinic, you'll, you'll feel like your brain exploded, but eventually you'll get it down. Um, find something that interests you and seek it out rather than just saying, you know, what's in the news today. Cause what's in the news today. Yeah. It's going to be a whole bunch of nonsense. You can pretty much skip. Um, you have to actively seek out what you want. And for some people, that is rankings and tier lists. And if that's the case, good on you. It's never really has been for me. I haven't really been into power rankings since I was like 17. Um, so 
for me, that stuff is pretty easy to ignore. I'm just not interested in it. Not my cup of tea. That's, you know, somebody else's thing. Uh, but find, let's find some joy, right? And that's an active process, not a passive one. Uh, finally, Rock NHL asks a similar one. How do you handle discourse with everyday people in your life who are very much casuals and, and often make football takes that make your head explode without coming across as a know-it-all? So I'm not sure I always do a great job of not coming across as a know-it-all. I've definitely gotten that note from a few people. Uh, but here's the deal. When you're talking about somebody who's just a casual football fan that just wants to talk about their fantasy team or whatever, to, don't be a dick. Like, <laughs> Yeah, okay, good. I'm so happy you're excited about Jonathan Taylor. Like, whatever. Um, I, I think if you have a genuine curious fascination with football and that comes out in conversation that can come out as I am so passionate about this and I'm going to share that rather than, well, no, 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 no. You're not receiving running backs. Actually, it don't matter. Like that kind of discourse it's is annoying enough on Twitter, but in real life, I think you just kind of get ostracized from the rest of the party. Um, but there's also you don't, people don't can be casuals. That's fine. Like if, if all you want to do is sit down on Sundays and watch your fantasy team's points and, you know, watch uh, the, the pregame show on Fox and watch your favorite team and then that's that. And then you do something else with the rest of it. Like, that's great. That's how most people experience football. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Good for you. And if you want to know more, if you want to go a little deeper, that's kind of what I'm here for. And I feel like I, I, I tailor my show for people who are more curious than that and maybe to the detriment of the, the growth of the show. And I kind of don't care because I don't need to appeal to the, the biggest audience. I want to appeal to the, to the audience that wants to view football the way I want to view football. And so I'm going to look at football the way I want to look at football, but in everyday conversation with people who aren't like that, I'm not talking to a podcast listener who I'm trying to like have be part of my audience. I, I'm talking to a friend, be a normal person, rock NHL. <laughs> that shouldn't be that hard. Uh, and, and if you find yourself saying like this person's too casual, get over it. That's okay. That that has to be okay. And if if you can't talk about football that way, then I don't know. Bring up the weather, the, the dudes in the submarine, because that's I guess the story of the day right now. I don't know something else like that. But either way, find the part of the sport that brings you joy. That's that's the lesson of the day. Um, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I don't know that Andrew Booth thing is kind of calling to me. Maybe I'll do that, but we'll see how I feel when I wake up and what, what I actually want to, uh, go through whatever it is. I hope you join me. I'll see y'all tomorrow. And as always, skull.